This series, I don't know, it might be a year long, who knows? But uh, we're calling it The Gates of Hell Will Not Prevail. Because Jesus says to Peter in the Gospels, your name is Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so what I want to do each week is I want to take a look at what a powerful church looks like. Because the gates of hell, the gates are there to keep people from getting in and getting out. And so when we hear that phrase, the gates of hell will not prevail, it is not sitting there going, oh, the devil's attacking me and I'm going to speak this phrase. No, what it's saying is, church, we need to rise up, we need to stand up, and we're going to take the war to the devil because we're going to storm the gates of hell and those gates ain't going to prevail as we call the lost back to the man named Jesus. As we say sickness, be healed in the name of Jesus. As we say addiction, be broken in the name of Jesus. We we are going to walk in power and storm the gates and take the kingdom and the victory there. We're not just called to sit on the sidelines. I know some of y'all, you might be over the age of 80 and you're like, pastor, I'm just, I'm in cruise control until I die, buddy. No, 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 no. If you're still breathing, God's still got a purpose on your life. You need to get up, you need to move, and you need to storm the gates of hell with the church. Your method may look a little different now because of your age, but your mission has not changed. So what does a powerful church look like? Well, if you're taking notes, and, and I, I encourage us, I, I want to be a note-taking church because we can sit and hear and receive and go home and, and Wednesday comes and Thursday comes and we need that word that God spoke on Sunday to get us through the rest of the week. And So take notes if you can, put them on your phone. I don't care what you do. But the title of today's message is A Powerful Church Will See Walls Fall. If we're going to live as a powerful church, we're going to see walls fall. In Joshua chapter 6, I told you we'd be there. Starting in verse 2, the word of God says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. With its king and mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city. All the men of war going around the city once, thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow when you hear the sound of the trumpet. Then all the people will shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Man, I love this story. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Jericho and the walls of Jericho. But some context here that's important to take note. This is in Joshua 6, 40 years before these events take place in Numbers chapter 13. We see Moses given a word from God to take the Israelites into the promised land. And God says this promised land, yes, it's going to have giants. Yes, there's going to be some battles, but God wants the people of Israel to know that the land is good and that the land is theirs. And I'm here to remind the church this morning, you have a promised land. You have a land in your life that is good and that is yours. And I also want to tell you your promised land is not heaven. Some will be like, yeah, I, I get it, pastor. I'm going to die one day and then I'm in the promised land. No, no, no. God has a promised land for you right now on this side of eternity. 
How do I know the promised land is not heaven? Because it says there are giants in the promised land. If your promised land was heaven, there would be no giants there. You have a promised land that is good and that is yours. What is the promised land? The promised land is the place the believer can walk in and live in when you obey God's word over your life. And God tells Moses, hey, there's this promised land. And so they gather 12 spies and they send these spies into the promised land to go scout it out, to go check out the land. And out of these 12 spies, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they come back with a good report. And they're like, hey, let's go. Let's go at once. Do not delay. Let's go take the land that God said is ours. They were excited and they were expectant. But then 10 other spies come in and they begin to speak against the promised land with a different tone. And the Bible actually says that their report was an evil report. I I want us to see something this morning because if we're not careful, we can be like those 10 spies. Can I tell you what they were doing? They were staring at the very promise of God and calling it evil. And if we're not careful, we will begin to look at the promise that God's given us, He's saved for us, and He's blessed us with, and we can actually curse the very promise that God has for us. Husbands, your wives are a good thing, the Bible says. Wives, your husbands are your covering, the Bible says. Parents. For some, this is more true than just kidding. It's true. All of your children are a blessing from the Lord. Arrows in the hand of a warrior. If we are going to be a church of power, we've got to stop cursing the very thing that God has promised We've got to stop cursing the thing we should be thanking God for. I'm just saying, y'all, I have conversations with you people. I know you. You come to me one day and you're like, preacher, I'm out of a job. I need some money. Can we be praying that God opens a door of opportunity for me to work? And then you come to me six months later and you say, preacher, I hate my boss. I hate my coworkers. I'm through with it. I'm ready to quit. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're cursing the very thing that God answered your prayer with. I cursed whatever noise that was in the name of Jesus. What about this one? Y'all can, hey, pastor, I'm single. I need to, I, I'm praying for a godly woman or a godly man to come into my life. And then a year after you get married, you come to me. Pastor, I don't know if we're going to make it. We're not compatible anymore. Stop cursing the very thing that God blessed you with. Stop cursing the very promise that God has given you. Because it's interesting. It was not the giants or the walls or the fact that the land devoured its people that kept people out of the promised land. No, no, no. It was the evil report that they had spoken. Because in Hebrews chapter 3, 19, the word of God says, we see they were unable to enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. Because of their lack of faith. 
It wasn't the presence of the battle. It wasn't the presence of the struggle. It wasn't the giants. It wasn't the walls. It wasn't their last name that kept them out of the promise. It wasn't the color of their skin that kept them out of the promise. It wasn't the fact that we got a Democrat in office or a Republican in office that kept us out of God's promise. It wasn't how much or how much we didn't have in the bank account that keeps us out of the promise. It's not our background, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, that keeps us out of the promise. No, no, no. It is the unbelief and the unwillingness to trust God that will keep you from walking in the promised land that he has for you. They weren't limited by an enemy. They were being limited by the inner me. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you limiting God's ability to move? Where are you limiting God's ability to take you into his promises and his blessings because you lack the faith or the willingness to obey him at his word? If we're going to be a powerful church, we have to understand we will see walls fall. We've got to get past this victim mentality that culture is celebrating And we've got to begin to live as the victors that Christ has called us to live. To believe in faith that even if my promise is on the other side of that wall, I will see walls fall. Cities aren't built like they used to be built. You don't drive into Mineola and see a giant wall around Mineola in the natural. But can I tell you, everywhere you go, there are walls in the supernatural. There are demonic forces that are actively blocking you from the presence that God has for you and his promises. So what is a wall? A wall is a longstanding issue that you believe can no longer be removed. It it looks and it feels permanent and they will try to convince you that they will be a part of your life forever. Even though those walls were there before them, those walls were not there before God. And we've got to be honest this morning because some of us, we would say, well, pastor, I was born into some of these walls. My dad's an alcoholic. My granddad was an alcoholic. So so I'm just going to have to live with being an alcoholic for the rest of my life. Or maybe you'd say, well, all the women in my family acted this way. And so that's how we're going to act. Or we would look at our family and we would say all the marriages in our line and in our family's lineage have all ended in divorce. So that's just going to be my story too. Those walls were there before me but they were not there before God. What about this one? My family doesn't have a good reputation in this community, so I'm not going to be anyone. My kids don't have their last name, so they're not going to get the starting role on the team. We've got to understand that these principalities and these walls that we face Although they were there before you, church, be encouraged, they were not there before God. Even though those walls are big, they are not bigger than God. Southwest Kansas, let's be honest, it was here long before any of us. Like, do I have any of the first settlers of Mineola in the room? Didn't think so. This city's been here long before us, but guess what? It has not been here before God. What does that tell us, church? We're not limited to the city or this region. We serve a God who is in the business of seeing the walls fall. 
Jesus was on a journey with his disciples through the city and and the disciples were having a conversation in the gospels and, and they were amazed at the vastness of the temple that had been created. They, they were just amazed at how majestic and, and beautiful and they were marveling at this temple. And yet Jesus speaks up and he says, hey, I just want you boys to know I was here before this temple and I will be here after. Like this is beautiful, this is big, this is majestic, but I was here before it and I'll be here after. The, the wall of Jericho was 30 feet high and 15 feet wide, meaning at the top of it, you literally could have had a highway going around it. It would have been easy to sit in amazement at the vastness of the wall and forget just how big your God is. But what God's telling the church is that issue might be big, but I am bigger. That sickness might be large, but I am larger. Those forces might be strong, but I am stronger. We will see those walls fall. God is not moved by the vastness of your issue. The Bible says that there were over 2 million Hebrew people alive at the time that Moses received the promised land statement. That he was going to lead these people, 2 million, into the promised land. And yet, as we read in the Old Testament, two men and their families were the only ones out of those two million to inherit the promise. I, I believe, I do, I believe out of those two million, there were probably a lot of good people. There were probably some saved people that they lived their life without the promise and they died and they're now in heaven for the rest of eternity. But can I tell you something? Even though they're sitting in heaven right now, they missed out on the promise that God had for them then. And I want this to be a promised land church. I don't want people to just sit in here and coast until they die to walk in their promise. I want to be a Joshua and a Caleb church. I want to be a church that moves forward on the word of God. I want to be a church where people are flocking from all over because they know we're going to believe for the victory even in the middle of the battle. And we're going to see past our wall and believe that our God is still walking and tearing down walls. That's what I'm here to do. If you want to play church until you die, I'm going to be honest. Go find somewhere else. Because we're moving. We're storming the gates of hell. We're calling out the evil demons and principalities of this earth that have no power over the name that is above every other name. But we're going to have to see the walls fall. Three things I want us to see this morning. The first one's this, obedience brings freedom obedience brings freedom now i might squash your americanized theology right now when i make this statement but it's true we have to understand that these walls did not fall Simply because God loves us. I love you. The walls of Jericho are going to fall before you. For you. Now don't get me wrong. Don't mis miscommunicate what I'm trying to say. Because I truly believe that your God is madly in love with you. And you are never loved any more than you are right now. 
And he demonstrated his love for you on the cross that he sent his one and only son to die on that cross, to die a death that you deserved only to be raised to life to give you an opportunity to have relationship with him right now in the presence and eternity with him forever. God loves you so much. But the wall falling is not attached to that love. It's the obedience that brings the freedom. If we read more in Joshua 6, we, we begin to see in verse 2 that the Lord said to Joshua. And then following that statement, he gives a list of commands for the people to follow in order to see the walls fall. You're going to gather your people. And for six days, you're going to do this in this order in this way. And then on the seventh day, you're going to get seven priests with seven trumpets to surround the ark. And then on that seventh day, you're not just going to walk around the wall once. You're going to walk around the wall seven times. And then on the seventh time, the trumpets are going to blow. When the trumpets blow, only then do the people shout. And then when the people shout and you have obeyed all of these commands, guess what? The walls will fall. The Lord said... Nowhere in the Bible does it say the Lord suggests. He always says. He always commands. He always declares. He does not suggest. But culture would tell us this. Are, are you sure that... Are you sure that it wasn't just a suggestion from the Lord that marriage be between a man and a woman? Are you sure... Are you sure that God wasn't just like suggesting that maybe there's like a third gender over? The God don't suggest y'all. He commands and he has spoken. But, but culture's going to try and put us in this box and go, well, did God really? No. Here's what he said. Here's what he spoke. Here's what he commanded. And here's the beautiful thing about the commands of God. There's always an outcome attached to his commands. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, do I have any? Max, you're in here. Max, have you ever asked mom and dad to do something and they said no? And then you've asked them, well, why can't I do that? And have they ever said this? Because we told you so. See? I love you guys. But I'm just paying it because this is how sometimes we, we feel with God. God, are you sure I can't do it? my way are you sure i can't do it this way and god says no and we go well god why can't i do it that way can i tell you something god never says because i told you so here's what he says because there's something better for you than that there's always an outcome attached to his commands if you've got teenagers in the room i'm gonna just be real blunt and honest we have a society full of lust you, you can't watch a movie nowadays without two people that aren't married hooking up. I'm just going to be honest. And, and parents, it is your responsibility to have these conversations with your teenagers to say, hey, I know what you see on those movies. I know what you see on the number one, shut them off or at least have the conversation after to say there is a beautiful picture of marriage that God has ordained for a man and a woman and sexual intimacy is a blessing of that marriage and God is saying no right now because he wants you to save your best for that person that you're going to be with the rest of your life. You ask anyone who's ever slept with anyone before they were married and they can always tell you that they wish they had waited.
Why? Because God commands and attached to every single one of his commands is an outcome, an outcome of blessing, an outcome of breakthrough, an outcome of prosperity, an outcome of healing. He doesn't just command because he's a control freak and he wants to command. He commands because he loves you so much. And he knows that there's something better in store. The Lord said, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's so important that we understand with our obedience comes vision. Because we've got to see past what our natural sees. Joshua was standing before a wall that was 30 feet high and 15 feet wide. He could have just opened his eyes and seen the wall, yet God reminded him, hey, don't look at the wall. See the promise that's waiting for you on the other side of the wall. If we are going to live in power, we've got to be willing to see past our walls. And I want to set some of you free this morning. Because you've been spending too much time looking at your addiction looking at your struggle, looking at that battle, speaking about that diagnosis, that you need to be set free this morning to picture your life without the wall there. I want to ask you, what would your life look like when that addiction's gone? What is your life going to look like when that cancer's healed? What's your world going to look like when your kids who are living in the world and not following Jesus return back to him? We've got to see past the wall. We can't look with natural eyes if we're going to live in power. Because there's some battles right now that they're blinding you. And God's saying, son, daughter, look up. See past the wall. Because on the other side of it, there's breakthrough. On the other side of it, there's blessing. On the other side of it, there's healing. What would your life look like if your marriage is restored? What will your life look like if your husband comes to church with you? What will your life look like with abundance in your bank account? Because I'm just saying, if you can't see it, then you ain't ready to receive it. We've got to see past our walls. Obedience leads to freedom. The second thing we have to see this morning is we must wait willingly. Now, confession of your preacher. I almost left this part out of the sermon because I absolutely stink at this. Patience is not my strongest virtue. Just ask my wife. But it's the truth of God's word. It's our human nature to not wait well. Like, let's be honest. We all roll out of here. And we all good Christian folks. So we do what good Christian folk do after church. We go out to eat. Praise the Lord. Turn these calories into the smoking hot body in the name of Jesus. Turn these fried foods into nutritious value in the name of Jesus. And so we pull all, we all pull up to our favorite spot called Applebee's because that's really the only spot. And we walk in and the hostess greets us and we get excited because half the restaurant is empty and we're like, 
praise the Lord, favor ain't fair. We getting seated right away today. And then the hostess says, sir, it's going to be a 45-minute wait. What do you mean? The restaurant's empty. We're understaffed. And then we do our little eye roll, and we pull a care in, and we get the kids together, and we go, all right, guys. They said 45 minutes. I ain't putting up with that. The chiefs come on at 3 o'clock. We got to go. And so what do we do? We get the kids loaded in the car. And then we start driving around. Hey, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Where, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? And there's like two other options in Dodge. We drive to those options, and they're, they're, they've got to wait too. And then we look at our watch, and we go, oh, 45 minutes have already gone by. Had we just waited at the first place we were at, we could have been seated at our table eating the blessing but instead, we were out running on our own trying to figure out another plan. And we do the same thing with God. I got to wait for that. I, I, I don't want to wait. So how do we wait willingly? We do it with a good attitude. I'm not going to ask you if your kid's sitting next to you, but parents, you know this. Y'all got kids sometimes that have bad attitudes. And you say, hey, let's go. We're going to the football game. Hey, let's go. We're going to the lake. Hey, let's go. You got to get up and go to school. And they're sitting there with their bad attitude. And you say, oh, son, you got to change your attitude. I ain't changing my attitude. And what do we do? All right. I got all day. You throw your temper tantrum. I got all day. You're the one that's going to have to deal with your angry teacher when you get to school. Not me. I got all that, and I feel like church, God is doing the same thing with some of us. Because we're waiting, but we got a bad attitude. Why'd they get their breakthrough before us? Why'd they get their healing before us? Why is their family being blessed? They don't even go to church, yet God's blessing them. And we waiting with a bad attitude, and God's just like, son, daughter, I got all day. When are you going to get over yourself? And when are you going to come sit in my presence? I got all. Oh, and I, I just want to say, I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but I'm so thankful that God had all day with me. Because I tried to run for too long. I tried every freaking thing the world had to offer for so many years and so many months. And I led myself to so much brokenness. But I'm so glad that even when I hit rock bottom, God was still standing there saying, Son, I got all day. What are you waiting for? My arms are open. Come back to me. Eugene Peterson once said, Spiritual success is long-term obedience in the same direction. And at some point, we've got to understand church that we're going to be in seasons of silence. We've got to understand we're going to be in seasons of boring. I just feel like we're doing the same thing. I just feel like I'm going in the same direction. I just, I just feel like I'm showing up to church every day. When's it going? When, when's something different going to come along? When's something? It's, we get bored in the silence. Or some of us, we sit down to pray and five minutes feels like an eternity because we don't actually know how to pray. And we sitting in the silence and we get bored. So then we get our phone out and 
We think we're going to go to the Bible app, but then those notifications start jumping and we start scrolling and we st and then we realize that we were sitting there for an hour and only about 30 seconds of that hour was actually spent in the presence of Jesus alone with him. Church, we can't get bored in the silence. We, we can't get bored in the waiting. Hebrews 6.12 says, so that you may not be sluggish. Let me say it in, in normal people terms. You may not get bored but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. So if we are going to walk in the promised land that God has for us, church, it's going to take two things, faith and patience, faith and patience. And I'm just saying a prayer of patience is a bold prayer. Because we pray for patience this morning and then you are going to show up to Applebee's and it's going to be an hour and a half long wait and you're going to be like, God, really? You just prayed for it. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. But we live in a culture that is defined by immediate success. What's gone viral overnight and we have men and women who we are promoting to places of leadership who are not yet ready for it because they have not endured the process of faith and patience. Faith and pa if, I, if I'm going to be honest, church, do you know what I'm praying for this house? Lord, slow down. I, I'm going to just be real honest. Because our house is growing and I don't even know all of you guys. I don't know you personally. I don't know your stories. I don't know your testimonies. And I want to get to know you so I can shepherd you and I can love you and I can walk with you. Faith and patience. Faith and pa We've got to understand that if we're in this thing for the long haul, it's going to take faith and patience. Faith and patience. Obedience brings freedom. We must wait willingly. And the last thing I want us to see this morning is you have to be ready to use your wall. Use your wall. In Joshua chapter 6, we read all these commands that God's given the people of, of how to see victory over this wall. And they obey all of these commands. And then we look ahead to verse 20. And the Bible says, so the people shouted. The trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. And guess what? The wall fell flat. And the people charged straight in and they took the city I, I want us to see what took place here because when I picture this event until this week in prayer I, I always just kind of pictured it like an old wall falling like like if we saw this wall come down we'd see it kind of break brick by brick and and when it's fallen down there'd actually be like a pile of rubble on the ground y'all know what I'm saying like, have you ever driven by an old house or old warehouse and half the buildings in our community? Just go to Bloom if you want to see a wall fall, okay? I love you, Bloom people. I'm kidding. 
But, but there's this rubble, and, and I, I pictured this when I first read this, and, and really for a long time when I read this story, I pictured piles of rubble, and I pictured the people walking over the rubble, like Joshua and Caleb having to take the women and kids by their hand and help pick them up and, and, and carry them over this rubble. But then I read it again, and it says the wall fell flat, and everyone charged straight in. So I got curious and I got on the interwebs. What happened to the walls of Jericho? And archaeologists have actually confirmed this historical event that when the wall of Jericho fell, the wall actually retreated straight into the ground. The wall fell flat and the people charged straight in. What, what do I want us to see this morning? The very thing that was keeping them out has now become the bridge to bring them in. That, that wall was supposed to keep them outside the city. But it fell flat. And guess what they're doing? They're walking on the wall. Church, we've got to be ready to use our wall. Because the walls that we have in our life are actually the very roads that are going to lead us into the promise. I, I want to prophesy this morning that those mountains are actually just on-ramps. Those blockades are bridges. Those tests you're facing, their testimonies being written. The very thing that you are facing right now is actually the very thing that God is going to use to bring you into the promised land. How do I know this? Well, the Bible says that God's never lost a battle, right? Can I tell you what else? He's never lost a battle, but he's also never wasted a battle. So if you're in a battle right now, guess what? God's going to use that battle to lead you to breakthrough. He's going to use that battle to be a bridge to walk you into his promise. The wall is going to be not what keeps you out, but it's going to be the road that you walk in the promise on. The very thing that hell has sent to stop you is going to be the thing that God uses to bring you the promise that he has for you. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail. It says he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The Bible says what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. But it doesn't just end. We like that because we're like, oh, it's for my good. Come on, Jesus, love me. But if we go back and we read that story in Genesis 50, what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good, your good, and the saving of many others. So church, what does that tell you? That battle you're facing right now, it ain't just about you. But your breakthrough and your promise, and when you get over it, guess what? Your kids are going to call upon the name of Jesus because they watched you walk in victory over that sickness. Your friends are going to call upon the name of Jesus because they watched you walk on the wall of addiction that once had you strung out so bad you couldn't even think right. But now you speaking with a sound mind, speaking with a clear mind because God has renewed you and broken that addiction. The very thing that was meant to keep you out, the very thing 
thing that was meant to disqualify you is the very thing that God is saying, son, daughter, I'm going to use that for you to walk on, to step into my purpose, to step into my promise, to walk into my blessing. Come on, church, if you believe we serve a God who is able to turn our walls into highways, our burdens into bridges, our breaking points into breakthrough, can we do something? I would just ask the church to stand. Because some of y'all need to see this. Some of y'all need to look at the ground right now and begin to speak to that wall because it's under your feet. Some of y'all need to begin to say, I will see the walls fall. What I want to do is I'm going to speak against some walls this morning as we close and then I'm going to pray. And as I speak against these walls, if this is a wall that I talk about that you see in your life, your family, your community, I want you just by yourself to begin to speak to that wall. And I want you to see past that wall. And I want you to see the breakthrough. And I want you to see the blessing. And I want you to see the overflowing of heaven happen on your life. Because today I believe some of y'all going to walk out of here called wall walkers. Because you were walked in here with a wall in front of you. And now you walking out of here on top of the wall. Walls of religion are going to fall. Walls of addiction are going to fall. Walls of unforgiveness are going to fall. Walls of bitterness are going to fall. Walls of hatred are going to fall. Walls of pride are going to fall. Walls of cancer are going to fall. Walls of depression are going to fall. Walls of MS are going to fall. Walls of anxiety are going to fall. Walls of debt are going to fall. Walls of insecurity are going to fall. Walls of doubt are going to fall. Walls of tradition are going to fall. Walls of comfort are going to fall. Walls of competition are going to fall. Walls of sickness are going to fall. Walls of division are going to fall. Walls of fear are going to fall. Walls of lust are going to fall. Generational walls are going to fall. Political walls are going to fall. Religious walls are going to fall. Demonic walls are going to fall. Father, we believe this morning. God, in your house, in your church that you are building this church and your gates, those gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we speak to the wall this morning and we shout with our voice and we say, we will see the walls fall. God, all over this room, that you are turning brokenness into breakthrough. You are turning tragedy into triumph. You are breaking the very walls that were meant to keep us from your presence. You are breaking the very walls that were meant to disqualify us and say that we've messed up too many times. We're too broken. We're too abused. We're too hurt. We're too poor. That we can't be used by God. And you're saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to use them as a bridge to take you where I'm leading you next. God, we praise you for the battles that are being fought right now in this room. Because we know that you've never lost and you never will. And we know that if we're facing a battle right now, it's not a waste. Because there's something coming on the other side of it. God, I declare victory over this room. God, I pray right now if there's anyone in this room or anyone joining us online that does not yet know you as Lord. Has not yet experienced salvation and the forgiveness of the man named Jesus Christ in their life. 
that you would tear down a wall of pride that is keeping them out of your presence. And, and that humility would rise up in their heart today to believe that they can't get through this life on their own. They weren't created for themselves, but there's a greater purpose that you created them to be and to live with and to live for. It's obedience that brings freedom. The love of God has already proven itself because Jesus died on that cross for you. But the love of God isn't enough to save you because you have to respond to his love with obedience. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead on the third day, then you shall be saved. How are you responding to his love this morning? Do you need to cry out to him? Because here's the greatest news. It doesn't matter how far you've run. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are. The father said, I got all day and today is the day of salvation. Come back to me. We repent, we submit, and we surrender our lives to Jesus. We experience salvation. We experience forgiveness. Not only are we promised eternity in his presence forever, but we're saved into a relationship with him that can begin today. That any battle you're facing, you know that you don't have to face it alone. So if that's you this morning in this room or online, I want to ask you to just pray a prayer to your heavenly father. There's nothing magical about the words spoken. It's all the position of your heart. To say, Father, I repent of my sin. I need your forgiveness. I submit and surrender my life to you. And I declare today that you are Lord of my life for all of my life. Tell your heavenly father that today. Repent of your sin. Lay your life down at his feet today. He's waiting arms wide open. And Holy Spirit, I pray over this church. This body of believers, those in the room who have called upon your name. That God, you would stir up an overwhelming desire of obedience in your body. That, that we would desire nothing less than to just obey you in every area of our life. Not because we think you're the dictator that's controlling things, but because you know, we know that you love us so much and attached to every single one of your commands is an outcome. And we want to live in the fullness of life that you've promised through your son, Jesus. God, I pray you would give us patience. Strengthen us in our faith and in our patience. Stretch us, O oh God. Take us to an even deeper place of silence in your presence. Take us to a place where we can just sit in your presence and rest and listen and rest and listen and give us the courage to walk out of those moments with the obedience to follow the word that you have spoken. Thank you, Jesus, for the miracles that you're doing in this place. Thank you for the walls that are falling in this place and in this region. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue to go with us as we leave these four walls because they do not define the church, but we are your church. 
fan the fame of faith in every single person in this room. God, I, I believe and I declare and decree that miracles would happen this week on the street corners and gas stations in the supermarkets because your church left the building called the church and under the power of your Holy Spirit begin to live in the active power that you've called every believer to. Give us courage to pray for those that we see hurting. Give us the willingness to be obedient to bless those that need a blessing. Give us the faith and the patience to love those who persecute us. And continue to forgive us so we can be forgiving to others. Jesus, we pray this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people said. Come on, church, all of God's people said. Amen, amen.